In the book of Ephesians, let's see, I think we finished with verse 10, chapter 3. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, a day of thanksgiving. Amen. Now, do I think that the whole country is thankful to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? No, not for a minute. And that's why I have a little rough time. When I really do. I hear... People, well, they got somebody that's dying. Pray that God will intervene and all that in my, never have seen them at church of any kind, but never a sound church. Never see it, never hear them say anything about the Lord until something comes down like that. I have a rough time with those kinds of prayers. I don't know whether y'all do or not. But I really have a rough time with that. Uh, no, I really don't. I just, I don't believe it. I don't have any confidence in it at all. And how, how do you expect God to, to intervene and heal you? And you don't ever even mention him. You don't ever, you, you, you've not bowed to his son. You've not done anything. You, you're no different than anybody in the world in this. But it's just called on on somebody. If there's anybody else to call on, you would. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says all the purpose of the Lord's church. See, I'll get to this in a minute. One of the things major things that God has his kind of church in this world for is right here. He says that now to the principalities, verse 10, and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, by the assembly, the manifold wisdom of God. That's, that's what the church does. His kind of church. But if it died out in the dark ages, there hadn't been anybody here on the face of the earth to do this for all of those hundreds of years. From what, 400 to 1500? For 1100 years, there wasn't anybody here to do that. God wasn't able to do it. That's what they're saying. Don't believe a minute, a word of it. I believe there's always been somebody to carry out the purpose that God set his church in this world for. And this is one of them right here. <clears throat> Not to have religious entertainment. To make known the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose 
Well, you talk about God's purpose, eternal goes with it. Because you see, before God, before in the beginning, all you had was eternity, and all there was was God. And his purpose is a part of him. You see, we can't talk about something that happened at a certain point in eternity. Because eternity is not like that. We've got, we're limited. We've got hours of the day and hours of the night and so on. Days, weeks, months, years, centuries and all that. Don't have that in, in eternity. So God's purpose is part of him. There's never been, and see this, you get in trouble here. I'm going to say there's never been a time in eternity that God didn't have his purpose. His purpose is eternal. <clears throat> Meaning his elect are eternal. Ele election, not in their salvation, but in their election. Anyway, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God the Father, the plan. God the Son, the agent of the plan. And God the Spirit, the perfecter of the plan. In whom, Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Well, you, you, you need to help me here. What, what, what is all this? No, you've got it right there. It's in the Lord. Yeah. By faith in the Lord. Wherefore I desire that y'all, that's second person plural, ye, y'all, faint not at my tribulations. And my tribulations are for you. What I'm going through with my tribulations, my suffering, it is for your benefit, which is your glory. And for this cause, for this reason, <clears throat> I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the in heaven and earth, is named. Now we come into this. Not much said about it. Generally, what is said about it is totally wrong. <clears throat> have the family of God, the kingdom of God, and the church of God. Now H.B. Taylor in that little book, Why Be a Baptist, he's got probably one of the few articles that have been written on that, making the differentiation. But here's the problem. And this is true of about all of the big radio TV preachers. They don't make a distinction. They lump it all together as one. Might be surprised who does that too. But just 
by definition, the family of God is different from the kingdom of God, is different from the church of God. Amen. By definition, without even getting into it, on the surface, they're all different. They are not the same. But you have them making the church, the kingdom, and the family all the same. And it's, it's just not right. All right, now, he tells you what the family is right here. Of whom the whole family, talking about the family of God, in heaven and earth is named. Well, who's in heaven in the family of God? Everybody that's ever been saved and dead. That's who's in heaven. They're dead here, but they're very much alive there. But they're all in the family of God. So who's in the family of God? Everybody who has ever lived that's been saved, who's dead and alive. Now, the family of God on earth may be close akin to the kingdom of God. Look back at John 3. <clears throat> Verse 3, as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, or that's born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he says, in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, again, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this kingdom of God is obviously on earth. And in order to even know it exists, you've got to be born again. He says, except a man is not, a woman is not born again, except they're born again, they can't even see the kingdom of God. And case in point, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. What about the kingdom of God? Well, he says, I've got to be born again. How in the world can a man after he's grown enter again into his mother's womb? <laughs> Guess what, Nicodemus? You're spiritually dead, old boy. Amen. You can't even see the kingdom of God. Now, the one I like to talk about that did see the kingdom of God, he was hanging on the cross right next to Christ. He had his hands nailed and feet nailed. He was suffering, not, not like the Lord was, but he was suffering a horrible execution death. And he looked to the Lord and he said, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. He knew the Lord had a kingdom. He could see a kingdom. 
something happened to him. God born him again right there. He wasn't to start with, but he did later. All right, so <clears throat> you could say that you can get into the kingdom of God and say, well, that's a spiritual kingdom. Yes, it's a spiritual kingdom. Yes, it is. Oh, well, see, that, that just rules out all the physical. No, it doesn't. It's a spiritual kingdom that I entered into physically Amen. with my physical body and my spirit entered into it. And here I am in it. And you are too if you're saved. So don't say that the spiritual wipes out the physical because it doesn't. Brother Braun says, when Brother Braun teaches on the kingdom of God, the first, the first scripture he quotes is Psalms, his kingdom ruleth over all. <laughs> so which kingdom are you talking about? <laughs> so um, people think they got all that down pat, see? They, oh, we're, we're, we're really studying. We've got all that down. No, you don't, no, you don't have it. You just think you do. His kingdom ruleth over all. That's the first place you start on that. Anyhow, there's all kinds of kingdoms. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is near you. Yes, a spiritual kingdom, but physical people are in it. So a difference now, if I'm in the kingdom of God, that means I've been born again. Okay. But that also means I'm in the family of God. I'm in that bunch that's on earth alive. And when I die, I'll be at that bunch in heaven that's dead. So the, the family is in heaven and on earth, everybody that's saved. The kingdom is everybody that's saved is on earth. Now, the third one. We've got it right here. Look what he says. Verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church. Same word assembly. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end. Amen. I just was talking to a brother. This week. He don't know about that. Baptist bride stuff. I said, well, I do. I believe in a faithful Baptist bride. Because you see, the Lord differentiates his church from the family and the kingdom. Well... You don't get into the Lord's church the same way you get into the family and the kingdom. In order to get into one of the Lord's churches, first you, of course, have to be saved. But then you have to be scripturally baptized, covenanting with that assembly to carry out the Great Commission and be faithful to that church. Now, Those that don't believe in a Baptist bride, you might say they believe in a universal bride. That the bride is made up of everybody the same. No, 
you're, 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 you're missing out on that. The family, but not the bride, not the church. And even those that don't say they believe in a Baptist bride, they will say that the church is the bride. So I believe whatever you, whatever you believe the church is, that's what the bride is, unless you believe heresy on the church. Now, God makes up his bride from his faithful churches. Uh, those that don't believe this, they say, well, the church won't be there in heaven. Couldn't be. If you've got Protestants, uh, heretic Baptists, and they're all in it, what about those that were in sound churches? Well, they don't make any difference. I had one of the teachers lesson in Baptist college. He taught that. That it would be like this. When we get into heaven, it's like soldiers have been fighting a war on opposite sides, and now there's a truce called. And now we're all sitting around a campfire talk, reminiscing about what we did when we was fighting. So I said, brother, you, you say there won't be any difference? No, it will all be the same. I said, let me ask you this. Why then do I struggle trying to live financially out of independent Baptists, being ridiculed and maybe even persecuted like our brethren have been through the years, maybe even killed for the faith of church truth. And all I got to do is just go get in a Presbyterian church, old school Presbyterian, but join up with them, make plenty of money, just keep my mouth shut about the church and go along with them. Because it ain't going to make no difference when we get to heaven. It doesn't make any sense to suffer like this, does it? But it does. So look here. People think, well, the church won't be there in heaven. Really? I just read that. Unto him be glory. Unto God the Father. Be glory. In the church. By Jesus Christ. Look here. Throughout all. Ages. World without end. My, my, my. It doesn't look to me like the church is going to fade away in heaven, does it you? No, I believe the church, the bride of Christ, is going to have a prominent place there. And we'll see that later. But absolutely. So, has ever been saved, dead and alive? In heaven and on earth, they're in the family of God. How did they get there? The same way you got into the kingdom of God. Born into the family, the kingdom, and adopted 
by the Lord. Now, <clears throat> and then the church, completely different. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To stand up for what we need to stand up for, we must be strengthened with might in our inner man by the spirit of God. If he doesn't strengthen us, we ain't got the guts to stand. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That is not addressed to the world. This is only addressed to first to the members of the church at Ephesus, but to all those of like faith and order, you can't pray that Christ would dwell in the hearts of the world by faith. That's a ridiculous prayer. You can't do that. That's just like, it's kind of a foolish prayer. Lord, save the lost. I've heard that many times. I guess it can't think of something else to say. <laughs> that ye being rooted and grounded in love. No, 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 no. In whose love? His love for us. Amen. That's not what we are to share with this world. It doesn't belong to this world. It only belongs to those who are in Christ by faith. This part of his prayer now. That you be strengthened. That he may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you be rooted you know what it means for a tree to take root and grounded, solid in his love for you? Well, if you're rooted and grounded in his love for you, you ain't bragging about your love for him. That you may be able to comprehend, understand with all saints what is the Breadth, length, depth, and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And you can't just bypass that. In order to be filled with all the fullness of God, You've got to learn some things. You've got to learn. You've got to grow. You've got to be strengthened and rooted and grounded. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I don't know that I've got the full understanding of that verse. I know there's a lot there. 
He's able to do way beyond anything we can think. And yet that's all according to the power that worked. Are, are, you, are you really up to stuff on what power is working in you if you're a child of God? Are you up to snuff on that? You got, have you got that down? How What power is working in you? Well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. You can do what God tells you to. He's given you. He's made you a partaker of the divine nature. We can do everything God has told us to do. And that's that power that worketh in us. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And his word. Now to him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now notice. Here we go, chapter 3. Where did we end up in this chapter? In the church. Where did we end up in chapter 1? In the church. Where did we end up in chapter 2? In the church. Where did we end up in chapter 3? In the church. I think we're safe to say this is a church epistle. Amen. Chapter 4. Now, Brother Wayne did a great job Sunday morning on this. But we're going to do it all as we get to it. I therefore, see, therefore is therefore because of what he just got done saying. I am the prisoner of the Lord. I beseech you. Now that lang that's the language of grace. It's not an out and out command, but it's the language of grace. I'll, not quite a beg, but I almost plead with you. That you all walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Vocation is a calling. And so what is the calling God has given to you? Well, whatever it is, I know immediately every child of God has been called to serve the Lord. And to submit to scriptural baptism. And church membership in the Lord's church. And faithfulness to that church. That's the very least that we've all been called to do. But the vocation, the calling... He said, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. That's a vocation. A vacation is when you take a break. A vocation is what you're working on, what you're working at. So walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. Whatever the Lord's called you to do, walk worthy of that. And now how do we go about doing that? Well, first we do it with all lowliness and meekness. Jesus said, come learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Isn't that what he said? Here Paul's saying the same thing. So to be walking worthy of the calling wherewith we've been called, we've got to do it with lowliness and meekness. That's the... the antithesis to pride and haughtiness. 
with long suffering, suffering long, and forbearing one another in love. That means you ain't fussing and fighting all the time. Now he's talking to church members here, folks. Here we go, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, you used to go around a lot of conferences and out here, preachers, well, I come to a new church and I'm going to have to try to get them in unity. Don't think you can do that, brother. If you haven't got any unity, it's because the Holy Spirit ain't working there. He didn't say go or make it. He said keep it. If the Holy Spirit's there, you've already got it. But endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. And that's in the bond of peace, not in not in chaos and uproar, but endeavoring. Now, old Josie Wales, Chief Dan George said, all of the, all of the Washington people, when they got them up there, they got the Indians up there, they didn't do anything for them, just took everything from them and said, endeavor to persevere. <laughs> you remember when he said that? Endeavor to persevere. Uh, I think he was throwing off on it. But this word endeavor means to get after it and stay after it. And I always love my illustration here. One time, I never, never had dogs hunting them. But I went out with George Warford. He was a deacon at Metathorpe years ago, but he had beagles, rabbit hounds. He had one worth a lot of money. Uh, her name was Newview June was her name. And she was worth a lot of money, good dogs. You know, you know, people know their dogs. But I went, well, where we went was down there at Spears, and then you go down that road, go, go like you're going to the river, and then turn back, right back to the right, go back down there, and that's where we were. Somebody's farm down there. Of course, it's a hillside farm. Way down there, great big briar patch. Weeds, briar patch, it's in November, rabbit season. And he took his dogs, and we sat back up on a hill. I don't think I even had a gun. He did, but I didn't. Anyway, I just want to see him. He turned that dog loose, that beagle hound. He didn't run. He trotted. And that nose is. That's that nose going, smelling. He got on the trail of a rabbit and them briars. And boy, pretty soon here that rabbit came out running right big fence row. 
Big square. I don't know, several acres in that one square. And he didn't get on the other side of the fence. He ran that fence roll. And I mean, that rabbit was running for all he was worth. And that dog never picked up speed. Oh, said she had a mouth on her, boy. And boy, she, she didn't get in a hurry. She wasn't wore out. But that poor rabbit, he ran, and he, I guess it was a he, and ran and ran and ran, and he couldn't shake that hound dog. That hound stayed on him. And that mouth, oh, oh, he knew he was back there. And pretty soon, the old rabbit was just plumb, tuckered out. And George, boom, and got him, put him in his bag. Rabbit didn't have a chance. But I say that that hound dog endeavored to keep the trail of that rabbit hot. He got on it and he stayed on it. And that's how we must be with the Lord. We get on his service. You, you, you can't run everywhere. You can't just, you, you've got to, we're human beings. We're not supermen, superwomen. You've got to be steady. You've got to be steady. Endeavor, endeavor to keep the unity in the spirit of the spirit and the bond of peace. Then he says, there is one body, one spirit, that's capital S, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice the ones. That is the one passage. The passage about all of the ones. Now, the universal church people, they jump, see, that's, that's a universal invisible body. But you have no right to say that. He's writing this to a local visible body of baptized believers. Amen. And he says there's one body. This is one body. There's one Holy Spirit. As even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Bill Kazee does a great job of that in his track. Why we cannot, Baptists cannot unionize with others. Talks about that we have the same testimony of salvation. That's what he's talking about here. One Lord. One faith. That means body of doctrine. One baptism. And that is water baptism. And that would be authoritative baptism. Which absolutely demands. John the Baptist baptism. Amen. That is the one baptism, and then one God and Father, and of all who's above all and through all and in you all. That's why there's that oneness. You notice the unity? We don't have to go get unity. We've got unity. There it is. Oh, we've got to get all everybody together and get unity. I'm hearing that a lot of directions right now. 
You can't get everybody together. You can't get unity of anything. He's talking about unity in the church, unity of doctrine, unity of teaching. And we've got it. We don't need any new doctrines. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We all don't have the same capabilities. We're all different. God didn't call me to be Brother Campbell. He didn't call Brother Lester to be Brother Tim. He didn't call Brother Derek to be Brother David. He called us to be us. And whatever measure of gift that we've got, that's where we find our faithful service to the Lord. So, years ago, there was a pastor and his wife. I might have told you this before. But I preached at a conference someplace and they were there. And standing around after the conference was broken up, you know, over. And she looked at me, she said, I don't know why God gave you that voice. He could have gave it to my husband. I said, well, sister, I'm sure sorry you're not happy with his voice. I've got what God gave me, and that's what I use. And it would do him well to use what he's got. Use it to the fullest extent that God has given you. That's all we can do. I can't be you. I can't be. And even when we preach, we've got to preach like we are, not like somebody else is. You can learn from others, but you must be you. And that's, and that's the thing, that measure uh, of the gift of Christ. I think I'm going to quit with that.